Hey, what's going on, guys? And welcome to the first edition, first episode of the Grime MMA Show. And just a quick introduction, this show's mainly going to be about MMA, but I will dip and dab into other topics, maybe WWE, maybe what's going on in the news, so we're just going to have to see where it goes, but it's mainly MMA, and what better way to start the show than with, I mean, this Saturday, we got the Jones versus Smith fight, so great way to um to start the show, so I'll just... I'll give you some um an insight on who who you should be betting on, why you should be betting on them, my thoughts on it. So let's 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 um let's get into the show. So like I said at the top, we have the Jones versus Smith fight and man, John Jones is a huge favorite and rightfully so, I mean He's the most dominant UFC light heavyweight champion that there's ever been. Just ran through the division and arguably the GOAT. I mean, you can make a discussion for GSP, Silver. If that fact, thinking about it, I, I may as well go with that now. Um, GOAT discussion. GOAT discussion. Just type in some... Um, Stuff on my laptop for the podcast. But, um, yeah, let's get into the discussion of the GOAT. That's actually a good discussion. So, in my opinion, there's five guys in terms of their fighting, like, in the octagon, if you know what I mean. It's Anderson Silva, GSP, Demetrius Johnson, John Jones, and... Am I forgetting someone? Mm, I think that's it. I think those four, those four fighters, I think, you know, those four fighters are, is, they're, they're, they're in the GOAT discussion. Anyone like, you could make the discussion with Conor since he was champ champ, DC champ champ, but I mean, those guys, Conor couldn't get past Khabib, he didn't defend his title much, DC couldn't get past John Jones, and he ain't been, he's been a top level for quite for quite a long time now, but he just hasn't been there long enough. So, in my opinion, I think that it's those four: Demetrius, Silver, Bones, and GSP. And in terms of Demetrius Johnson, he he had that last loss to Cejudo, but other than that, I mean, he lost to Cruz and Brad Pickett. But th- those fights are a long time ago, and. They're at bantamweight, they're in his own division. And he's got the most tight defences. And he's the most technical. I mean, those 25-pounders, there, his movement's insane. His cardio is insane. Wrestling strike-like technique as well. Like, overall, Demetrius Johnson is probably... Like, if you look at what pound-for-pound pound means, if everyone's the same size in another fight, you've got to give it to Demetrius. But in terms of, like in the matrix in terms of like who's respected along the martial artists and like look at look at Silver's win against Vitor the front kick look at his submission over um Sonnen I mean fifth round you you got to give like Silver that kind of like and his longevity as well you got to give him that point in in his career that you have to put him in that discussion. With George, I mean, George thinks 26-2, and two, both losses avenged. And, I mean, he ran through the old division, current division, came back, fought Bisping. I mean, George has been through it all, so he's got to be there. And finally, John Jones. I mean, John Jones, flipping out. Defend, I mean, in terms of the people who he fought... I mean, from Shogun to Rampage to everyone, he's got to have the hardest, like, the resume he even touched. And considering how little he's been touched and being unbeaten, I mean, none of those other three people unbeaten. John Jones unbeaten. I mean, he has that one loss against Matt Hamill, but is that really a loss? I don't know, man. I mean, 12 to 6 elbow is hard to say, but that loss, it, uh, I, won't, I won't say. It's a loss on the record, 
but I won't count as a loss. So I reckon he's the only one out of those who hasn't tasted that that bitter, bitter taste of defeat. So in my opinion right now, who's the go is a discussion between those four. I mean, if if you say any of those four, I'd be like, fair enough. But I mean, in terms of I mean John Jones, if he beats Smith and then starts running through the division again, I mean, it's gotta be Jones. And right now I've I've got a slightly lean to Jones. I mean, Jones, he is, without a doubt, one of the most spectacular fighters. I mean, Silva is also spectacular with, you know, his Matrix style, but Jones is so good. So, enough with the GOAT discussion. That's my opinion on it. But, um, yeah, to the fights this weekend, we got Jones versus Smith. And, like I said, Jones, he, I feel like he's just going to run through him. I mean, the upset is there. I mean, Smith is, I think, is... You see, he's he's got a few knockouts right now. He he um he knocked out Shogun, knocked out Evans, um submitted um Volcon. Yeah, he submitted Volcon, but I mean these guys they're not known for their chins, and I mean even though he's Volcon, I mean he was getting out grappled by Volcon, and Volcon isn't really a grappler; he's more of a striker, heavy-handed striker, so. I mean, against John Jones, in the embedded episodes that I watched, he, uh, Anthony Smith is very confident, but uh, I, I mean, Bones a different level. I mean, I w- it would be a shocker. I mean, there's always that chance. You can never say never. You remember, you know, Bisping Rockhold. I mean, Sarah versus GSP. There is always that um, that surprise element, but. I mean, John Jones has got this. Um, I'll pull up some stats real quick from the um, UFC website of both of these guys. But so John Jones twenty three and one, Anthony Smith thirteen. Sorry, thirty one and thirteen. So right off the bat, I mean. The amount of losses Anthony Smith's had. I mean, I'm someone who doesn't get hung up on losses. I mean, you look at Nate Diaz. That's, I think his record's like 20 and 10. And he he's, I mean, top-class fighter. So I don't get hung up on wins and losses. But, I mean, that just shows you John Jones' level to have 23 wins and one loss. So in terms of breaking down the fight, I mean, if we go to the striking to begin with, I mean, Smith has that power, I mean, I remember his fight against Hector Lombard, God, it must have been ages ago, and he he was getting outstruck by a hard-hitting, fast fighter, but he, he stuck in there, He stuck, and then um, later on he finished Hector, so, I mean, his striking isn't like, it isn't weak, it isn't like someone who's super heavy grappling, but his striking... His his striking's pretty good. Let's just put it that way. I mean, maybe similar to Gustafsson's, maybe slightly worse in terms of technique, but got more power. And that power is is all you need at light heavyweight to um to sleep Jones. So that's something that you got to look out for. But in terms of John Jones' striking, he's very defensive. I mean, if you, you saw his last fight against um Gus, um you know a lot of movement, a lot of run, not running away, but you know, just a lot of movement and a lot of the times when, you know, he gets in striking fights, pretty much every fight, like, if he gets hit, he rolls with it, he's moving a lot so he barely gets touched. So, John Jones's chin is very untested at this point just because of how much it, you know, he hasn't been caught. I mean, he he is he's similar to Floyd Mayweather in that sense that he, he ain't getting, you know, taking big shots. So with that being said, against Anthony Smith, who has that power to test his chin, I mean, anything can happen. So in the striking, you know, if 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 a conventional, you know, type of striking battle happens, then you've got to give it to Jones. I mean, he's just going to touch him up, not get touched, and, you know, land some big shots towards the... Maybe... Towards the end of the second round, starts to land big shots, then start the third really put put it onto him, and then get him out there on the third. If if it's you know 
the conventional striking fight that we expect. But Smith with that power can sleep Jones in the first round. It can happen, but very unlikely. Now, in terms of the grappling, I mean, Smith did get a rear naked choke in the last fight. And I don't know if he's got, like, some extensive grappling background. I don't know. It says 35% submissions. Let's go to his Wikipedia page, but... Um, I don't. I don't think his submission game is that strong. I do believe that he is more of a um, more of a striker. But let's let's go into his um, Wikipedia page. See see the stats on him. Wow, there are a lot of Anthony Smiths in the world. Cricketers, all sorts. Let's go into MMA fighter Anthony Smith. Rightio. Obviously, you got a submission against Volkanovsdemir, but again, not a grappler. And before that, he didn't get a submission until Tim Mil- Tim Williams in 2015. And looking at Anthony Smith's resume, I mean, he does have a lot of fights. I mean, 2015 was only four years ago, and it's had... 10 since then, 15, that's that's very active, which is a good thing. I mean, he's, he's going to come in there with a wealth of experience over John Jones, which is, I mean, any advantage you can get is, I mean, is something that you want. Um, looking at his stats here, it doesn't say anything about him being some high-level credentialed jiu-jitsu fighter. So I think he's just... Just looking at his fight against those um, Shogun and Evans. <coughs> Excuse me. Looking at his fight against Shogun and Evans, he's a you know powerful striker. You know hits hard, stands there on the feet, and that that's that's really his only way of winning. Of course, he got that win in his last fight against Volcom, but I feel in this that, that that's that's not him as a grappler. He's a striker, so. If 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 it goes to the canvas, I mean, we saw John Jones against Gustafsson, John Jones against Sonnen. I mean, Sonnen's friggin' amazing wrestler, and John Jones ragdolled him. So, Smith really is over his head when it comes to the grappling. So, I mean, we hear that, we hear that saying, lucky punch, and I don't want to say that for Smith. <coughs> He is a really talented um, fighter. I mean, he's number three in the world for a reason. But man, if it, it feels like that in this fight because he ain't he ain't out grappling John. He ain't out striking John. He ain't out conditioning John. He ain't doing anything against Jones. He I mean he's got heavy hands, and I feel like he can beat him that way. But I mean, in terms of a twenty-five minute war, if it goes twenty-five minutes, I'd like to see the I'd like to see the um, the odds on if it goes the distance for Anthony Smith to win because that would be insanely, you know, insanely small probability that Anthony Smith wins by a decision. Let's go on Skybet and see what the bet would be. Um, If I can navigate myself around this website. UFC and MMA. Yeah, so there's you know some price boosters. Jones swim by first round stoppage. That may happen. I mean, if this is as much as a mismatch, you know, what, guys, I'm gonna have to pause this for a second. I didn't realize this is my first podcast, and I didn't realize how much I don't talk that much. This much talking, we're in for, we're at forty minutes right now. This much talking is absolutely killing my throat. I just need to grab some water. Two seconds. Okay, I am back. Yeah, like I said, I mean, that first 15 minutes on my voice is starting to kill me. So I've got some got some Buxton water now to um, relieve relieve any stress that's on my throat. And excuse me if I need a sip during the podcast. But like I was saying, the odds for the odds for Anthony Smith to win by a decision. And John Jones done two takedowns, thirty three to one, which is is friggin' insane. So, I mean, if you're a brave person, then 
you can go ahead and bet bet on that, but I doubt you're going to win any money. So, I'm, I'm beating a dead horse right now on my prediction for the fight. So, with that being said, I predict Jones will get Anthony Smith out of there in round three. Yeah. I believe first. I believe it'll be similar to the Gustafsson fight, but I feel like Jones might lay a bit more of a beating, and Smith might be a bit more. He would try and be a bit more aggressive, but Jones will shut him down, and Jones will just murk him essentially in the first first two rounds and third round. I feel like Smith's toughness just won't hold up anymore. He is a tough kid, but it won't hold up anymore, and. Jones will get the win by TKO stoppage. I mean, you, you won't sleep him like it's Cormier, but I feel like he will TKO him. Okay, now, moving on to the co-main event, we have Kamaru Usman, or Kamaru Usman, or Marty, as Ben Askren likes to call him, versus Tyron Woodley. This fight is not similar to the Jones Smith fight, but... I feel like Tyron's got this. I mean, he is a well-crafted veteran and I don't see him letting up right now. I feel like his motivation is still there. I feel like when that motivation goes, he, he'll, you know, someone will beat him. But I don't feel like that time is right now. Um, because, I don't know, he, he just seems motivated from embedded, from what I've seen. And I feel like if if he's in this state... For the rest of time, no one would beat him. But I don't think he'd be in this, you know, mental state for his whole career. So, someone will beat him down the line, but not right now. I mean, Kamara Usman's a beast. But not as much as a beast as Tyron. So, getting into the linguistics of this fight. I mean, right off the bat... Every the thing is, every fight you see Tyron Woodley stare off with his opponent, he looks smaller, but I mean, all all his weight must go into his muscles. There's you know his, into his arms and his legs because they're just massive. Plus, how he's like he says that he he struggles to get down to one seventy, and he probably does. He, I was listening to his um. He he joined Logan Paul in Impulsive, and he was like, I, I cut down from 200 pounds. Uh, and he, he said that a few times before as well, uh, in uh, previous interviews, and I believe him, but it's crazy to think like he cuts down to that much. And I saw a picture with him with Anthony Pettis, and, excuse me, and, like, Pettis looked bigger than him, so... And Pettis is someone who fought at 145, so... Tyron... I feel like he is, he is big, but his his stature isn't big. I I feel that, that nails my point. His stature isn't big, but he is a big guy. You know, like Hector Lombard, similar build, but. Kamara Usman, when when they're staring off, he he did look, sizably bigger, but I don't feel like he will, his stature was sizably bigger, but I don't feel feel he'll weigh more. Um, Tyron's got a record of nineteen and three. Camaro with a record of thirteen and one. So, the people who Tyron lost to Jake Shields, Rory McDonald, and Nate Marquardt. Nate was just. I feel like at that time he was a better version of Woodley. Nate was a beast. I mean, he the people who he he beat and the way he beat them he he could have. Could have easily been UFC champion at that time. Um, I mean, George was a champ at that time. Not being able to get past him, but he he was definitely he he was he's like the dark horse where no one really knew him, but he was just like crazy good. Um, Roy McDonald again. He he's at at that time he faced Tyron. He was more technically superior. And in the first round, Tyron hit him with some big shots. And towards the end, um, yeah, at, at the start of the um, 
fight. I mean, Tyron had that power, had that explosiveness, and Rory just about got out of the way, just about out technicalized him. Uh, technicalized, I don't even know if that's a word, but um, outstruck him, out grappled him um, towards the end of the fight anyway, when uh, Tyron started to gas out. And a criticism in that fight was Tyron was always backing up, he, he wasn't really engaging. But he does that in every fight. I mean, you look at his fight against, um, what was it, J.K. O'Brien, where he just launched himself from halfway from one side of the octagon to halfway to the other side of the octagon. I mean, that's one of his best traits. So I don't think that was a dig on that fight. I just feel like he may have gassed himself out. And yeah, he, he gassed himself out and he, he just wasn't as technical as... Rory, so he he had that loss, but now I feel like he 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 cannot keep that pace up that he when he explodes he can't keep it up for twenty five minutes. So he he's he hasn't got better cardio per se as when he faced Rory, but he's got more. He's he's pacing himself better and since he's pacing himself better. You know, it seems like he's got better cardio. He seems like he's got good cardio. And I mean, to be fair, he does have decent cardio. I mean, when you saw his fight against Wonderboy at 205, he dropped him in the fourth round and he put a pace on him. I mean, he put a beating on him in the fourth and almost got him out of there, but didn't. And then in the fifth round, he, he was he was tired, obviously. I mean, he, he, he emptied the gas tank, but he was still there. I mean... So his 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 cardio isn't so much of an issue now, but I just that Rory fight it was, and that's why he lost. And Rory's so technical; he might be the most technical person in welterweight. <coughs> so that's that's why I feel like he lost that fight. And the Jake Shields fight, I don't think I've seen that. But I heard he got it was similar to the Rory fight. So I feel like some of those. Those mistakes he made early on in his career, they've been nullified and he is just a beast right now. Taking out contenders left and right, looking at um his his win against Robbie. I mean we didn't see much there, but showed that power and closed the show on him after the first round. Uh his two fights against Wonderboy. Looking at them, yeah, they were to to 90% of fans, they were boring fights. In my opinion, I don't think they were boring fights because when you're watching them, it's like a chess match. There's like, what's um, what's Woodley going to do next? How is he going to nullify Wonderboy? Is he going to go left? Is he going to go right? Like, what's he going to do? And when you break it down piece by piece oh Woodley needs to explode at this time he needs to throw across at this time because it's open stance or close stance it's, it, it becomes a super technical fight and that's what it was and people like oh they should have just sprinted at each other and tried to knock each other's heads off but no um, if that if that happened let's say Wonderboy sprints at Woodley Woodley was on the exact same things he did against Till just slammed her right hand down the middle and knocked him out. And same same for um, Woodley. If he sprints that Wonderboy, Wonderboy is notorious for doing that. He would have just slept Woodley. So can't knock him for that. And then the Damien Meyer fight, he, again, people say that's a boring fight. But I think got the record for most takedowns defended, 22 Excuse me, I need that water for my voice box. It's absolutely killing from talking for this long. So, like I was saying, Woodley stopped 22 takedowns in that. I, I can't, there might have been like 24, but he stopped a ridiculous amount of takedowns, a record breaking amount of takedowns. And yeah, he threw the least amount of strikes, but to be honest, he tore his labrum. I mean, how how much did you want him to throw? And people can use that as an excuse, but I mean, he he knocked Damian Meyer down in the fight early on, before he tore his labrum, I believe. So take that how you want, but 
and it sounds like I'm a wordly apologist, like like Rogan was on the podcast, but trust me, I'm not. It's just is the way he has to fight them. They're like they're specialists, and there's no other way to beat them with his skill set. And a true great find the way to win, and that's why he did. <coughs> and his most recent fight against Till, I mean, he was bringing out new skills like head kicks and. When he dropped him, hit the pace, he put that beat down on, and then he submitted him with the DOS choke. I mean, that was sensational by Woodley. And I feel like it's going to be a similar fight this time against Kamara Usman. You know what, after this podcast, I'm going to need some, like, serious smoothies or something, because I've never talked, we're only, like, halfway through this podcast, I've never talked for this long, like, ever, like, this pace, and it's absolutely killing my throat, like, it's crazy, my, my throat is, it's on another level, but, like, like they say, you, you got to fight through those championship rounds, and I'm going to make this podcast happen. And I feel like the more more times I do this, the more weekly I do this, the easier it'll get. So we just got to, got to go with the punches. But like I was saying, um, yeah, he absolutely dominated Till. And I, that's going to be a similar way, similar performance to this one. Because looking at Kamara Usman's fight against Damian Meyer... Uh, Damien Mike can't really count because he's a specialist and all he needs to do is just stop the takedown and land a few strikes and he won that but against RDA who's more of a freestyle fighter Camaro he, he, when he was being a freestyler his striking didn't look super impressive his wrestling it was it was alright it didn't look super impressive either so Against Woodley, he ain't gonna take down Woodley. I mean, Woodley stopped Davy Meyer all those times, and I think Woodley only got taken down by Rory, and that was when he was exhausted. He, Tyron Woodley, he he wrestles with Ben Askren as well, so he ain't getting taken down by Marty. No disrespect, Kamaru Usman, but he ain't gonna get taken down by him, and. In a striking battle, he might. In, in fact, I think. Here's what I think. He, I think he might start to get touched up a little by Usman. Nothing crazy, but feel like he'll he'll start to get touched up a little. Like Usman will land a few strikes, not get hit. You know, start to slightly win the striking battle, but Woodley's got the explosiveness, and I feel like that's Kamara's downfall. And Kamara's chin's never been tested, so, I mean, he can go the distance, maybe, but Woodley's power is something else. Not that Robbie Lawler, like, like a fly, so. We got to see, well, in terms, so, now I've given a decent analysis on Woodley, but analysing Kamara Usman, I mean... I don't know too much about him, so we can go on Wikipedia right now and just see see how he is, Kamaro Usman, Wikipedia page. See his record, see who he faced, see how he fights. Well, not see how he fights since we're not going, you know, on the internet. But from this it says he's... He's a decision machine when he's in the UFC, but he's a KO artist when he's out of the UFC. Um, decision Leon Edwards, that's a good win. Face, I mean, he knocked, knocked out Sergio Marias, the jiu-jitsu guy. Beat Emil Mick, good win. Beat Damian Meyer, beat RDA. So, other than Marias and Heider Hassan, who... Heider Hassan, uh, he ain't credentialed in the UFC, but other than Sergio Marais, everyone he's decision, so not impressive at all in terms of resume. The way he decisioned those guys, they were good. I mean, 
he shut them down, he outstruck them, he outgrappled them, walked away with the win. But I don't think that will work against Woodley. Like I feel like it's just a match-up situation where he ain't getting the best of Woodley and that's that, that's the case closed. So in terms of final predictions for this fight, I see Woodley... Jeez, it's hard to say because Kamara's chin has never been tested. So I feel like Woodley's got the... Woodley knocks him out. If Wood, there's a few ways this can go. One, Woodley just knocks him out in the first or second round like he did to Till. Two, uh, Woodley beats him similar to Damian Meyer where Kamara won't be as takedown aggressive, but Woodley won't be aggressive either. He just outstrike him, walk away the W. Or three, Woodley gusses himself out. He goes late and then... Kamara outpoints him, maybe even takes him out or gets a decision. But I feel like that's unlikely. I'm going to go with the first one. I think Woodley will stop him with strikes in the second round. So my final prediction is Woodley to win by a KO in Otiko in the second round. But a full disclaimer, it could go... Those are the two ways. So, three ways it could go, like, I'm 90% sure. But, knockout by second round is my final prediction on that one. And the third main fight on the card is Ben Askren, UFC newcomer, versus Robbie Lala, UFC vet. And... Right off the bat, the stat that stands out is Ben Askren, 18-0. and 0. So, never lost before. He's, and all his fights as well, have been very dominant wins. And some of the competition now, looking back, Douglas Lima, Andre Kurskov, those are some big wins. And he he, he did, it with, did it with relative ease, so... We know how good this guy is, and uh, I mean, I've he's won me over. I'm a big fan of his antiques and how he carries himself and being funky and all this. Uh, so I, I enjoy that aspect. So I'm rooting for him to win. With that being said, he's facing the beast in the ruthless one, Robbie Lala. Let's go to Robbie's Wikipedia page. Not that I need it, but. Just so I'm fact-checking, let's go over to that Wikipedia page. Robbie Lala. To be honest, like I said, I was rooting for um, Ben, and I still am. But Rob, Rob, if Robbie was in any other fight against any other welterweight, I'd probably root for him because he's a beast and I like him. But So Robbie's had such a career, such a storied career. He started off as he started off as a kid in the UFC. He had that fight with Diaz. He fought Evan Tanner. He's had he had some he fought Jason Miller. He's had he's gone through the ringer. Then he had his strike force days. I mean, he when he was started off in the UFC, he looked like the ruthless one. Then he had strike force days. Then he started to look mediocre. Then he joined the UFC, and had that win over. Josh Koscheck. Had that win over Josh Koscheck. That's when his career really... He had the career reinvention almost. And then lost to Hendricks for the title. But that would mean that was tip for tight, if you remember. Fight of the night. And then from there, that's when he just became ruthless. Knocked out Jake Hellenberger, decision Matt Brown, decision Johnny Hendricks, knocked out Rory McDonald, split decision over Condit. Those fights, they're some of my all-time favourites. And those decisions, those fights, five of the year, he proved that he has power, he's got a chin, he's got cardio, great striking, sprawls well. Robbie Lawless... 
he's a very nasty package to deal with. So, when looking at Robbie Lala, walks forward, chin down, hands up, strikes, see how it goes, sprawls when he's facing a wrestler, cardio for days. Cardio for days, he has that bit in the third round where he just sits back against the cage and just takes a few strike strikes. That doesn't mean he's got crap cardio, that just means he can't go 25 minutes full pace the whole time, which no one can. So, he, st- he still has good cardio, so don't mistake him sitting against the cage as crap cardio, but, I mean, Robbie Lawler is the total package, when it com- not the total package, because he, he, him off his back, I mean, we ain't seen him much, because his sprawl and brawl's too good, but him off his back probably isn't the best fighter. But other than that, he, he he's world championship caliber. I mean, Woodley... He got knocked out by Woodley, but if that fight goes to decision, if they rematch and that fight goes to decision, my money will be on Lala. So, shows you how good he is. And then, going to Ben Askren, the funky one. 18-0. And he is a crazy aggressive wrestler. I mean, similar to Khabib. I think he said in an interview as well, when against Khabib, he's... A little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little and a little bit more funky. I like that. And that's probably a good comparison, looking at his fights in Bellator and 1FC. So, when... I don't... There's no point in going over his career. We know he's a wrestling-heavy guy. And he's going to try and take Robbie down and essentially maul him. And... That's probably Robbie's one weakness, you know, fighting off of his back. His strength is obviously on the feet. So uh, this is similar to um, McGregor Khabib when we were going into that. We were like, we got this super heavy... <sighs> Excuse me for yawning. Excuse me for yawning. It's 11 o'clock UK time, so pretty tired. Anyway got this crazy striker in um, Robbie Lawler, who is similar to McGregor when McGregor McGregor was tearing the scene up. And you got uh, Ben Askren, who's like Khabib, but he's just taking people down and mauling them. And Ben don't need the finish. He, he can just sit there and just maul him for three rounds. And that's not fan-friendly, but that's effective. And for me, that's, that's, a, that's a great fight. So... It it really and again you got to factor in Ben Askren hasn't been there for a long time but neither has Robbie Lawler I mean Robbie Lawler wasn't in there since he faced RDA at the end of twenty seventeen so he's been well over a year and he's had surgery so both of these guys aren't crazy active Ben Askren might get those UFC jitters you hear about it all the time those UFC jitters and. It it could be real, could not be real. You you never know. It it all depends, on who's fighting. I'm trying to think of a fighter who came into the UFC, and didn't get those jitters. I don't I don't think there hasn't been one. It doesn't mean the fighter is. I mean Justin Gaethje maybe, but I mean even him he always got slept by Johnson. So every fighter when they go in the first time in the octagon isn't at a hundred percent that they're facing those nerves so could could be could affect Ben Askren but my final prediction for this fight <coughs> after I get a swig of water my final prediction for this fight is Ben Askren to win a decision. I feel like recently in Robbie Lawler's run in the UFC and even a lot of his strike force fights, we didn't see him get taken down and just mauled. However, I feel like that's going to happen in this fight where Ben's going to get a hold of him and just take him down and start working him out, out wrestling him and just pin him down. Maybe even get the finish, but my prediction is it goes all free. So as we go down the card, Tisha Torres versus 
I'm not even going to try and pronounce the name, some fighter from China with a record of 17-1, and which is very impressive. Tish Torres doesn't have a single KO. The Chinese fighter has 53% of her wins by the way of the knockout. So even Tish Torres is a seasoned vet. I'm still going to go with this Chinese girl who she's facing. Cody Garbrandt versus Pedro Munoz. Firstly, on the UFC website, they got Cody with the belt. Last time I checked, TJ had the belt, so I'm not sure why why that is the case. Cody, he's a KO artist. He's a veteran at this point, you got to admit. I mean, he faced Dominic Cruz and TJ twice, and he's been the ultimate fighter. Head coach once, and then he was also when Faber was facing McGregor. So Cody No Love is through and through that, and he's he's only twenty six, I believe. He's pretty young, so I believe Cody will get the W via KO. I think he's got looking at embedded. He's got a new. He's rejuvenated from those losses, and I feel like that W is his for the taking. So first round KO for No Love. Then we got Zabit, Zabist versus Jeremy Lilheathen Stevens. And Zabit, from what we've seen in the Octagon so far, he is he lives up to his nickname Zabist because all these crazy kicks and everything. It's just and his throws as well. He does everything like his fight is chaos. His fights are just crazy, so when he faces Jeremy, Jeremy, he's very conventional, got his hands up, a very powerful striker, doesn't like the ground, I don't think this fight will go to the ground, um, maybe Zabit will take it there, but I really hope he doesn't hope it, hope he'll a striking battle between the powerful striker and Jeremy and Zabit, and I feel Zabit's got this, I don't think he'd take a big shot in this, he could, Take a big shot and go to sleep. However, I feel like he's just going to be too grizzled and veteran for that. So, it's a beat via decision in that one. However, Jeremy Stevens has that power and could easily shut the lights off. As we run down the card... Misha Serkinov versus Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker already a top 15 fighter now. This fight was originally Misha Serkinov versus OSP. BRB got to get this swig of water. I'm not sure if I want to cut these. Water breaks from the podcast, but it my I'm not even joking. Like, I I'm one of those people that hates to complain about you know when when someone scrapes their leg or something. I hate when people complain. I'm just like man up, but right now my throat is on a different level. But the Misha Serkinov versus Johnny Walker fight. Johnny Walker, man, that guy's so entertaining and. I hope he wins. 13-3, you look at that and you're like, this guy, he's he's taking a few losses. He's going to be a journeyman. That's the boxing model. And even in the boxing model, I mean, some of the guys, they're like 28-3, which is still amazing, but they still have blemishes early in their career. And Johnny Walker, I feel like he can be 82-inch reach as well, which is crazy long. He's got that crazy style. He could be a future star, and I hope he does win this. I don't. If I have to put, say someone's gonna win, I'd say Johnny Walker. And I hope he does, cause <coughs> he will be a star if he does. Running on the card, we have Cody Stammen versus Alejandro Pedro. To be honest, I don't care about that fight. And then we got Diego Sanchez versus Mickey Gall. Mickey Gall rocking the crazy goatee. 
facing Diego Sanchez being a winner of the first Ultimate Fighter versus a young gun. I mean, I I, I personally think Mickey Gall lost against Randy Brown, so I think he's well well in over his head for this fight against Diego Sanchez. Diego Sanchez is going to blow him out of the water. And I like Mickey a lot. I think he's going to get blown out of the water in this fight. Because Diego Sanchez is the veteran. And he's he's he does yoga. And you're probably like, does yoga and he's an MMA fighter. What, what do the two have to do with each other? People who do yoga have insane longevity. And look at Diego Sanchez. From season one of the Ultimate Fighter to now, he's been very consistent. And since he does yoga, he's got that consistency. So, Diego Sanchez all the way. And, I mean, he's, he's a fan favorite. You remember his fights against Diego Sanchez. Not Diego Sanchez. He is Diego Sanchez. Against Gilbert Melendez. I mean, those fights were insane. So, can't wait for that one. And there's three other fights on the prelims, which... To be complete, TBH, completely honest, I don't really care about these. I mean, they, they could be former, they could be future champions, and I know maybe there will be, and then I will care about them. But right now, they ain't done nothing for me to care about them, so I will not be caring about them. We will not be discussing those fights in the future. Oh, night for March. Which is next week. We have Lewis versus Dos Santos. We'll be breaking down that. And then Till versus Masvidal. So we, we are right now we aren't short for fights for the next few weeks. So it's an exciting time to be an MMA fan. And in a matter of hours we have UFC 233. And I feel like that's, a, that's my breakdown for the fight. For those fights. UFC 233 now I have a couple more points to nail down um, before this podcast ends we we had 14 minutes before I grabbed my water I'm on 33 now so we're, we're right about 50 odd minutes so we got we got 10 more minutes and nail down a few more points then call it a day go sleep wait a few hours and watch those fights so first of those points being john the john jones steroid situation and man when it first happened the amount of hate john i'm a full disclaimer i'm a i'm a big time john jones fan so what whatever i say take it serious however Take it serious, but I'm a fan, so I'm I'm being impartial though. It's like I'm a Conor McGregor fan, but if if he does something bad, I'd say it. Like you know, when John Jones crashed his car, I'd admit that's a bad thing. But this steroid situation is not his fault. It, he took he, he failed for a tainted supplement first time. First, I'm not about the cocaine situations or the marijuana situation. I'm about the steroid situations. He failed for... the So the first one, he took a Cialis. And that was a tainted one that had a steroid in it. And they didn't even have on the wrapper of it saying, oh, this has steroids in. So no, he reasonably could have not known that there was a steroid in it. And... It didn't have much of an advantage. I see John Jones likes to say, oh, um, well, that it, I don't take things that... He, say, he says things like, I would never put anything in my body to enhance my performance. Well, while everything you put in your body, you take to enhance your performance, all the food you put in your body, all the supplements you put in your body are to enhance your performance. But I'm going to reword what he said. I think what he meant was, I'm not going to put any illegal or banned things in my body to um, support my performance. And 
He intentionally didn't do it the first time at UFC 200. There's, it's a dead discussion. And people, they're like, oh, oh, he's a cheater. He's a cheater. And end of story, you saw this rigged. You saw that it's not rigged. There's such a credible source. So John Jones did did nothing wrong that first time, and the exact same thing happened the second time. He the second time I think took a supplement, took it, and then what do you know? It was tainted. It on the wrapper, it's, it had a bunch of stuff. Didn't have steroids on. Took it, and that's it. And I don't understand why people are like, yeah, but I don't care about the facts that came out. As far as all I care about. Excuse me. All I care about is John Jones cheated, and that's it. I mean, you you just it's just very narrow minded, and it just honestly I feel like it's just people hating on him, and they they just want to take away from his greatness. But no, that 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 that's that's not on, and especially the way that people were talking about him when he first got caught. It's just it's just sad, really, how. Just kicking a man when he's down, to be honest. So, don't want none of that. And then, so those were the first two failed steroid drug tests. And they're tainted supplements. So why people are like, and even, I can't even say fans, because Mark Hunt, he was hating on him. And I like Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt's a good fighter, a good KO artist. And the rest of it, but... He was being bitter on Twitter, like, John Jones is a steroid cheat. Bro- I mean, Brock Le- the Brock Lesnar situation is different, but he was hating on Brock as well. And I can understand his frustration since he he lost to Frank, Mayer, Bigfoot and Brock, who all failed their drug tests. But, no, I mean, I, I can see why he's like that, but... With John Jones, I, I truly believe he didn't do anything intentionally wrong in those ones. Mark was hating, so yeah, it it just it just doesn't sit well with me if I'm perfectly honest. And that's that's what I got to say about Mark. And, and then with against Gustafsson, well, he failed that picogram one. We all know this infamous picogram failed drug test and oh what a mess it was so let me just explain it to or like i'll just quickly skim over it but from his failed drug test the year before he he still had picograms in his body and for those who don't know what picogram is john joe is well he goes a picogram is like the size of a pinch of salt in an Olympic-sized swimming pool. So as you as you do, can probably picture that in your head, a picogram is a pretty small quantity of mass. And that's all John Jones had in his body. And that was a metabolite from his previous failed drug test. It's, um, the previous substance I had from that drug test. So he took the tainted supplement had the steroid in, failed that drug test, and then a year later, still in the system, there's picogram, there's small, small, small quantities of the steroid in his system that he, he can't get out. I mean, how is he going to get that out? But he's still got that in his body. And they, they released that, they released that information to the public, and then everyone goes crazy saying, oh, he's taking steroids again. But... When I explain it like that to you, you you quickly realize that he he is on steroids. Then I believe he took some Vada tests and some other. You saw the test recently, like super recent, like February twenty nineteen, and felt those. And people aren't people right now aren't as as upset as they were for his other drug tests, but like. You just got to realise that you're beating a dead horse. Jeff Nowitzki, he's a credible guy, and he came out saying these these failed drug tests, they're not because of John. Well, they are because of John, but they're not intentional. 
So he took two steroids previously, not intentional, and that should be the end of the discussion. We need to stop beating a dead horse over this. Like that that's it. Like you can say what you want, you can remove him from the goat discussion because of that, because of the asterisks. But it didn't give him in my opinion, it didn't give him an edge over the DC fight, the second one. People are like when he faced when he beat DC the second time a huge factor was that he he took steroid and that enhanced him so he can win. I don't believe so. The traces that he had in his body were too, like super small, so I don't feel like he got an advantage in that. Simple, simple as can be. He did not get. He he hardly got a benefit from that. He beat DC because he worked hard and achieved it. That's it, DC. DC, DC of all people should be bitter about these steroid tests, but he, when when John fails, obviously later later on he he gets a bit salty, but whatever. But when he fails, he's like you know d- don't lay on John and all this stuff. So I respect DC a lot for not beating a dead horse, but everyone else beats a dead horse like Jones on steroids. All right, enough about that. The podcast is almost over, so I'll just quickly go over some points. Um, like many of you have seen Tyron Woodley's champ camp on YouTube and all I've got to say is it is lit simple as it's lit and I don't get some people they watch like some some of the dodgiest things on the internet like I don't even know but you know what I like to watch I like to watch Tyron Woodley on YouTube showing the way how to be a champion he, he he's like what he does in america he goes from east coast to west coast from in east coast where he does his um training camps at rufus sport trains there all week goes to the west coast cover, covers fox for the fights and then goes east coast west coast and it's just a crazy work ethic that he keeps up and he shows it in champ camp and it's just amazing and that's why i gotta say it's lit Alright, um I'll skip over this point. I've got a point on um on my document here and I feel like it's too controversial right now, I'm so tired. Um so I'll save that for later and and plus it's a, it's a super long subject. Um I was gonna t- go over some YouTube videos of John Jones, but we know his resume and he is an elite fighter, so we don't need to. And final situation. Um, you know that Chelsea goalkeeper, Kepa, right? And I, I, this is a long discussion. About, I mean, I'm, I'm well aware of the time on the podcast, but this is a long discussion about the Chelsea goalkeeper, Kepa. And I've got to bring this up as well because, it, I mean, if I bring this up next week, it's going to be old news. But this keeper, Kepa, man, he needs to learn some respect. When 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 your coach tells you you got to go off, you got to go off. You don't define him. I understand. I mean, you want to be in the shootout, but when your coach tells you you got to go off, you have to go off. Is the rules of football, and it, it wasn't like the, the manager was just salty, so he just wanted to get Kepper off. No, the goalkeeper that he wanted to get on knew the opposing club inside out. He knew Manchester Chelsea inside out because he played for Manchester City. So, Kepper, total disrespect. I don't want to pile on to you, Kepper, because you probably had plenty of that. We mean, I mean, I've seen some comments on Insta, people like this kid's this and that and the other. Well, I don't want to kick a man whilst he's down. Well, he isn't down. He he made that mistake on his own. He 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 disobeyed his manager, and he shouldn't have. It's a disrespect, and he shouldn't have done it. So, Kepa, make sure you learn from your mistakes next time. Always follow the manager, and that's for any of you footballers. Footballers, oh, that, that's a good discussion for next week. I write that down. Footballers are the biggest bunch of wimps ever because they dive all the time. But, I mean, let's save that for next week. But, Kepa, you need to understand the maximum recording time for a segment is six minutes. All right, yeah, I was just getting a message on my phone. Kepa, you need to understand, respect your manager and 
that's it. Simple as simple. And you could end up on the right path. And that's all I've got to say for this week's podcast. Thank you for tuning in. This has been a bit of an amateur hour. I understand me grabbing water, my throat hurting, me looking up facts online. But let's keep it rolling. Let's get on to next week. And thank you for listening. And take care. Enjoy the fights that are happening in a few hours. And that's it. Boom.